With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's Mind Week podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and this week I'm joined just by Thomas Henderson. So it's not, you know, the amount of people, but it's the quality of the people this week. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is good people. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right, so we are just going to skip Promote Extend Trade this week, which sucks because it was going to be a Bret Hart-themed Promote Extend Trade. Oh, it's his birthday, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, so we're just going to review how the Mets affiliates did this week. And something to note before we proceed, um, because Tuesday is the 4th of July. All the affiliates had their off day shifted. Uh, everyone is off last Tuesday. And instead, all of the series that you know normally would end on Sunday, they're going to be ending on Monday. So um, there's still going to be one game for each affiliate that we're not going to be recapping and getting to. But doesn't really make much of a difference <laughs> this week. Uh, Syracuse Mets, they played the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rare Riders this week. They were coming in with some momentum. They surged at the end of the first half. Um, they won nine of their last 12, but they kind of hit the brakes when they started playing the Rare Riders. They went one and three against them. Um, they have a late game on Sunday, so we're not going to be getting to that. And then, of course, Monday's game, we're not getting to that either. So, Maybe they salvage a series. Maybe they split it 3-3 if they win both games. Who knows? But as things stand right now, Syracuse is 1-3 in the second half. 
dead last in the International League North. So as much as things change, they stay the same, unfortunately. And they got, like, blown out in both games. Yeah, it has not been pretty. It was, like, 10-3 and 8-3 or something, and they weren't really in either game. It was one of those. No. The offense for Syracuse just feels, like, kind of stagnant right now. And part of that is Ronnie Mauricio has been coming back down to earth. It's been about a month now. He hasn't Um, been great. No, Mark Vientos, you know, since coming back to Syracuse, has kind of been sputtering, you know, getting his bearings back, I guess. Um, It's, you know, when you have Carlos Cortez doing all the heavy lifting, not optimal. Yeah, it's just that's where they are as a as a level. And really the whole minor leagues is just a few guys at every team and that's it. Mm hmm. Uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they play the Hartford Yard Goats this week, and same thing basically happened with them. They were coming into the week with a little bit of momentum on the side, but it sputtered. Um, they are 2-3 and three against Hartford. Hopefully they split things tomorrow um, and don't lose the series outright. So they are 2-3 and three in the second half um, with those two wins and three losses against the Yard Goats. Um, so that is good for third in the Eastern League Northeast right now, and they are a game and a half behind the Portland Sea Dogs and the Somerset Patriots. They're both tied for first place with a 3-1 and record. Uh, Binghamton, they're going to be playing Portland on Tuesday once they wrap up this current series against the Yard Goats, and the Portland Sea Dogs are a good team. They were in first place for most of the first half um, before they kind of lost some steam at the end to the Patriots. So going to be a, a tough upcoming series for the Rumble Ponies. Yep. It is. And they're just kind of blah, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had some solid pitching early in the year. They had kind of a couple of, I don't want to say no names because it's not nice, but they had some guys outperforming what you would have expected, and those guys are kind of not showing up right now, which is... Yeah, they're kind of coming back down to earth, which is happens. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. Uh, again, they also slowed down a bit after dominating the first-place Hudson Valley Renegades last week. Uh, they are 2-2 two and two against the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. There's a game that they're playing right now. Um, it was delayed because of some rain in Brooklyn over there. Yeah, it was so, thunderstorming. I can't tell you how the game is going to end, um, but odds are the Cyclones are going to lose because... The game is delayed with them losing like eight to six. So let's assume Brooklyn loses. Um, they are five and two in the second half right now, uh, possibly five and three. Either way, though, they're still going to be above 500 in the second half. Um, and they are going to be either in second or third place. Again, depending on how this last game goes, trailing the first place Aberdeen Ironbirds. And they've been flashing more. Yeah, um, Kevin Kevin Parada is finally showing up. The pitching has Blake, been outstanding. Like Tidwell has been having yeah. some good starts, and so there's been a lot more to kind of open your eyes on and be like, hmm, interesting. Like this is kind of there's stuff there's more stuff happening with them than any other level right now, which is kind of what we expected. I think coming into the season, we were kind mm-hmm. of looking at them as a place that could be exciting because of. Parada and Tidwell and everything else and Alex Ramirez, but it hasn't really 
the first half was kind of rough for them, so it's nice to see the second half start off nicely. Yeah, I mean, if Tidwell can continue the way he's been pitching, and if Parada can continue the way that he's been hitting, the both of them the last three weeks or so, I mean, that would yeah. be a very nice gift. Yeah, for sure. St. Lucie Mets now, they played the Dunedin Blue Jays, and they went 1-4, so not a great start to the season, uh, second half of the season. Uh, they are 2-5 and five with the conclusion of that series on Monday. They are four and a half games behind the Daytona Tortugas. Um, just not great, but that's yeah, basically... Yeah, they're just not... They just don't got the juice. Yeah, that's that's been St. Lucie since the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think that's I think they are what they are, unfortunately. Um, this year Sim- at least. Yeah, similarly to you know the the Brooklyn guys guys heating up though. Jet Williams has been heating up, um, down in St. Lucie. Jacob Bramer he's hurt now, but again he he was also starting to heat up. So maybe better things are in store for St. Lucie. And Raymer's probably like a top 10 prospect at this point for the Mets. And yeah, I mean, the guys who you would want to see doing some stuff at St. Lucie are doing it. It's just they need to be a little better. Like the pitching is just so bad. Yeah, there's there's promise, but um, promise does not always manifest itself to reality. And you want, and you still want to see guys like Jet just literally hit the ball better and like Jets getting on base and he's walking a lot and doing all that stuff. And that's great. But also I would like to see Jet hit more than he is just, he's hitting like two thirty. like obviously batting average isn't the be all end all in today's game, but you don't want to see that at the uh, St. Lucie, you know? Yep. Well, at least we have the FCL Mets. They are, it's the smallest team, but they have the most heart. heart. What, what is uh, height does not determine heart? <laughs> uh, FCL Mets. They went two and one this week. They are eleven and seven on the year. They are They're fun. the best team. They're fun. I, yeah, I, I wish we had more data on them. I wish we had more coverage on them, more eyeballs, more video cameras. It's it's the place to be they're the team to be yeah and like that's good and bad obviously you would like to see some better stuff in the upper minors but also it's nice to see your lower minors guys playing well like even we've we've been maligned about not ranking nick morbido or anything but he's been all right like he had a big game yesterday because i did the recap yesterday but he's been better than you would expect and there's been some nice pop-up guys and stuff so some pitching especially yeah. So it's just, it's nice to see. Stuff is percolating down there. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so last week, we all made our own draft selections. Uh, I wish Lucas and Ken were here this week to join us, but they're not, so we're going to shit all over them. No, no, we won't. That's <laughs> um, so with the Mets' second pick, uh, Ken went with right-handed pitcher Stephen Echeverria from Melbourne High School in New Jersey, and then with their two third-round picks, he went with outfielder Ryan Lasko from Rutgers, and right-handed pitcher Josh Noth from Patchogue Medford High School in Long Island. Yeah. Lucas, with his two picks, uh, the second rounder he selected was shortstop Josh Rivera from University of Florida. And then with the two third-round picks, he went with third baseman slash outfielder Matt Kovath from North Carolina and right-handed pitcher Aiden Knack from Bishop Vero High School in Florida. Um. Any feelings about either one of their drafts? Horvath is interesting. I almost picked him because he was like a a guy coming into the year, and then he just fell off the map. So that's kind of like an interesting post-hype type draft pick where there was a reason why he he was considered like a first-round pick earlier on. I think even coming into the season, it was one of those like way-too-early mock draft things. He was like a high pick. And then obviously stuff happens and the season happens and guys pop and whatever. But if you have that talent back then, like it's not saying it's gone forever. Like there's some reason you were ranked that high. So I don't mind that as a post hype. And Noth, I also picked. So I think you picked him too. Yeah. So, so I, was gonna, I, I wish Lucas was here because I was going to sit him down and be like, dude, why did you not pick Jack Noth? You know, um, we all last week, we all independently made our draft selections we didn't really discuss very much uh you know we've discussed a lot about like the first round guys and stuff but we haven't really talked about anything past the first round independently me thomas and ken we all picked right-handed pitcher josh noth as our third round guy so 
I don't know what happened with with Lucas. He's not like in the hive mind enough or something. And and he did pick a prep right-handed pitcher as his as his final guy. Right, um, and he just didn't pick the one that we. Yeah, he just didn't pick the right one. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Josh Noth while we're on the topic, and because so many of us picked him, he has a really good curveball. Mm. That's big, like, and that's it. Like, not it. Obviously, he throws like 95, 96, and he's a uh, relatively short. Obviously, he's not a short person in terms of life at six one, but in baseball, that's a little short. And that's that combination will. If he was six five and did what he did, then he would probably be going way higher than this. But also, I've seen him mock to the Mets in the first round. I don't remember what um what publication it was. I wish <laughs> Were I could they high it. by any chance. But I saw him mock to the Mets at thirty two. And as like a cut type thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just I I find I'm finding Northeast guys a little more interesting than I thought kind of a few years ago because less people would re- just less people care about Northeast baseball prospects in general. Um, the and even in cold weather in, in general also like Jared Kalenic is a big example of that being from Wisconsin and uh. I think there was a few other ones who have been cold weather guys. I mean, there's a guy who the Mets have been linked to, Kevin Mag- Kevin McGonagall. Is it Kevin? I believe, yes, Kevin. Um, He's from Pe- Pennsylvania, and if he wasn't in Pennsylvania, he might be going higher. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's kind of like, I don't want to say an untapped market because it is worse competition here, speaking of the Northeast, than it is in the South and in California and stuff. But if a guy's good and worth drafting he's good and worth drafting if he's from here too so right i mean if you throw 95 and have a three three thousand rpm curveball like i'm gonna want you in my organization and like the thing with with nas is he has he has some downside risk as a reliever because it's he doesn't have a change up at all right now but hey if the floor and if you're picking a guy in the fourth round and the floor is seth lugo-y curveball you can make that a multi-inning reliever and be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you don't want that. Like, like going back to Tidwell, he has reliever downside, too. But if if he's a reliever that the Mets use in the in the seventh inning in two years, we're not going to be thrilled that the second-round pick, or I think it was a complimentary, uh, a back-end of the second-round pick uh, guy. But still, like... That's fine, you know, even if it's a little disappointing for the, a pick itself because you don't want – you'd rather a starter. But still, having a floor like that's nice. So that's really why I like him. Mm-hmm. Well, since they're not here to really talk about what went into their their rationales and everything like that, and I don't think anything is particularly egregious with either one of their, you know – Neither one of them went off the deep end. No, yeah, they're everything. Both of those were fine. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So let's look at your guys then. You had in the second round left-handed pitcher from LSU, Ty Floyd. Um, and then with the two second round picks, obviously enough. And the second one was shortstop Sam, yeah, Sammy Stafora from Panis High School in New York, wherever that is. I didn't. I probably should have looked that up. Where that? Is. I think it's up state. Mm, I probably. I mean, it's either upstate or Long Island somewhere. So that's true. 
It's not here. <laughs> That's, no, it's, uh, it's not know. Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> we know that much. But um, um Ty Floyd's not going to – I picked Ty Floyd, and he's not going to be there. Like, he's probably going to go in the first round. But Yeah, he, he had a uh, pretty impressive outing in the College World Series last weekend. He struck out 18 guys? Seven, it was 18 or 17. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll get you noticed. Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't I hate how how late the draft is now, but this definitely allows these college guys to make themselves a lot more money with going out and striking out 17 guys in the college world series in game one of the college world series and winning the game. The LSU won that game, you know, and that's going to be the Ty Floyd game, you know. So, but I mean, for him, it's his fastball is really good. It's the shape is incredible. It has the RPMs that you want. It has the the velocity that you want. And he has a projectable frame being a very tall boy. I think he's like mid six feet off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things where that's a projectable modern pitcher that the Mets have not really that type of guy. The Mets haven't really I still don't think they've gone after even with the newer drafting philosophies like Tidwell's fastball is okay. Uh, Vassal's fastball is okay. You know what I mean? Like they don't have, they don't have that guy who's like his fastball the, is the inter, is one of the more interesting parts of his arsenal. Like they have Tidwell's stuff as his breaking pitches and Vassal's stuff as his breaking pitches. And, and like going back to Jose Budo, it's his changeup. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was like Matthew Allen had stuff like this. And that's why he was such the prospect that he was considered, you know? So. I think Floyd would be the number one prospect and the number one pitching prospect in the Mets system kind of right away, just because he has mm-hmm. the stuff that seems out of, it seems like it's a next step above even the vassals of the world, but that's, that's a good would, question. They would probably have to take him in the first round at this rate. And I don't know if, if that's the type of direction they go in round one, even, yeah. even now. Let's see. If you had to put up Blade Tidwell versus Ty Floyd, I guess Floyd would. Yeah, I, I just like come his stuff up on more. top. Yeah, like Tidwell has Tidwell's weird because you'll watch him and he'll shove an, in one outing. Like he did this week, he had like a crazy good outing. Like he struck out eleven or something. Yeah. But then there's times where he cannot throw a strike with his fastball at all. The only pitch that he could get over is a slider, mm. and. Even when he does, it's like, okay, yeah, I could see him being a reliever. And he's so inconsistent in his start-to-start things, and obviously that could change. And he's this is his first professional ball. Who knows what happens next year when they hopefully have a newer front office if the Stearns leaks are true and he David Stearns gets more of his guys involved, you know, if that if that comes to pass. So we I, I don't want to say the book's out on him, but it's one of those things where no one in the Mets system has stuff like Floyd does, even without him throwing a pitch in the system yet. And that's both an indictment on the system and a compliment to him. So that's why I wanted to highlight him with my first pick. Because even though I don't think he's going to be there, I think they would have to take him at 32 or 30, wherever they're picking. It would still be a fun pick. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, obviously there's a 50-50 chance either he is or he isn't. But, uh, you know, I... I he is a guy that that is about right where you would think he would get selected somewhere 25 to 35, maybe 
Yeah. So. And I feel like his stock has risen even more as we've gotten away from his performance, you know? Mm. Like, it's one of those things where people are like, he uh, he made himself money. That's really the best way to put it. He just made himself a lot of money in that performance. Yeah. I, listen, when literally the last time you pitch before the draft, you are dominant in the World Se- College World Series. That's definitely going to help your case when you're negotiating with teams <laughs> over money. But good for him. Oh, for sure. Good for him. Great for him. That's. That's the one positive about the draft being at a different time, like I said. Like, a guy could really put himself on the map in a way that he couldn't before. Mm-hmm. And I was also considering Floyd for the second-round pick. I ultimately didn't, but I went with Brandon Sprout, who is a familiar name for many reasons. A, he pitched opposite of Ty Floyd in that same game. Didn't win. Didn't do as good. And obviously, uh, <laughs> the Florida Gators did not win the College World Series. And then, of course, the Mets also drafted him last year with a third-round pick, and he's the reason why the Mets are getting the second third-round pick this season. And I'm very torn on him. He did not live up to expectations this season. Yeah. He was, he was, only, he was only okay. Yeah. He's a kind of guy, though, that I feel like the Mets could actually work with and and help. I mean, they worked with Mike Vassell and Dominic Hamill in terms of, like, pitch selection, which pitches to use. You know, I want to say it was Mike Vassell. They, he, in college, he used a, a two-seam festival. I think it was Vassell at, at Virginia, yeah. Right, it, and... Because I remember it was all kind of messed up at Virginia, like what he was doing. But that's yeah. not a great thing, dev school. And the Mets had said, hey, listen, your four-seamer is better than your two-seamer. Or your two-seamer is better than your four-seamer. I don't remember off the top of my head. But they basically had him, you know, change the kind of fastball that he's been throwing. And Mike Vassell has had a pretty good first half of the year this year. Oh, and yeah. Listen, I mean, you know, you okay. can make the case that he's their number one prospect right now. If you would have to do a top twenty-five over, which is a little frightening, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying like, <laughs> yeah, no, you can, it's a you case that definitely did. He's in the conversation for. He's in the top three regardless, and you could make the case for him being one. But similarly, Sprout seems like a guy like you just. He has a lot of natural movement on his fastball. Don't use a four seam grip. Don't throw it as hard as you can. Use a two-seam grip. Throw it a little hard. Let that movement do what it needs to do. So I, I think that that's you know something that the Mets could actually work with there. And also, I was a little uh, lazy <laughs> because if the <laughs> Mets draft him, that's a lot less work than I have to do because <laughs> all that typing that I did last year, it's it's still relevant. So and, and they also, like they've double dipped before. They did it with Carlos Cortez and yeah, yep. So it's not out of the ordinary. It definitely is a possibility. And also, I think that he could be a underslot guy that mm. they can use the savings and, and underslot in a way that everybody wins. Like, he'll make more money 
slightly underslot with the the second, well, with the their first round pick this year than he would have if he signed at slot value with the third round pick last year. So like you know that that's a win win yeah. to me. Everyone everyone wins. And I feel I related because uh, a guy like I feel like Josh Noth is probably going to be hard to sign. Yeah, I could see that, especially because his um, just being on Long Island and the way less competition out there than anywhere else, he might want to prove himself on a bigger stage to try to right, get Ole, more money in the in the draft next time. He's a commitment to Ole Miss. That's a pretty decent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not a bad team. Yeah, so he definitely that that definitely is something you know you go to college from Long Island to Mississippi you put in some good numbers and then all of a sudden you are like a top draft pick. So some extra money could definitely help uh, entice him. Um, so Sammy Stefora, your other uh, third round draft pick. I've seen him mocked in the first to the Yankees, so look at me finding <laughs> diamonds in the rough. So but, basically, we just all you, you, you have three picks and you got three first rounders there. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of what the mocks ironically is saying is similar to Volpe, um, a little bit Northeast shortstop, but he's a natural athlete and good enough to stick at shortstop probably for a, the decent immediate future, if not the long term future, which is always great, and. He's a bit of a work in progress offensively. Like, he's been good, obviously, because he's playing way less competition than normal. But And he's been great, I like, doing the whole barely striking out thing, all that stuff. But it's a, there's a lot of, like, natural pop and natural stuff that when he gets coached up in a better system, either it being a college program or a major league or a professional program, you could really see where the... the you're, you're kind of buying him... And he's a real project if you're going to draft him now because it's just way less of a um, – he's just not a polished – he's not a polished hitter yet. He's a polished defender, and he, he's playing some center field too, which is very nice to see the shortstop center field flex. That's always very fun because that gives you a lot of creativity and a lot of flexibility, even if he ends up a – like, I don't want him to be a utility guy, but if he does end up a utility guy like that, then that's really good that he'll be able to move around the diamonds. And also, it's different now. Like, he could play five days a week and play three different positions, and nobody cares. He could go full Benzo burst. But yeah, it's just for me, it's taking a guy with a floor of a of athleticism with speed and athleticism with his defense, and taking someone who has interesting offensive characteristics and understanding that hey, we're gonna have to get him to the next level. Can the Mets do that? I don't know if they, these Mets can, but. I am working under the assumption that David Stearns is coming and he does a better his organizations while the Brewers don't exactly make the best hitting prospects in the world. He kind of does the one size fits all. You're going to hit 240 with 25 home runs philosophy and sometimes it'll pop and sometimes it'll really make you worse. That's a lot better than what the Mets are doing right now. And so I'm okay with drafting a bit of a project if I have a working assumption that someone with better with a better player development philosophy is coming soon before really anything happens, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not like we're getting eight years of, of Sammy messing around in the minors before someone comes. Like if someone's getting, if Stern's getting hired, he's getting hired in like 
two days after the World Series is over. Like, it's kind of an open secret, you know, the way that John Heyman's talking in the post and all that stuff. So, obviously, things could go sideways, and then you're stuck with a project that the Mets might not know how to handle, but I'll take that risk. Yeah, you can always trade him. Yeah, you could trade always trade capital. Him. Of course, the Mets haven't been uh, the best at maximizing those trades, but hey, what are the Mets good at? Jesus Christ. Not much. Well, with my third round pick, I went with Kemp Alderman, outfielder from Mississippi. Um, I just like the power. Yeah. He hit 19 home runs this year. That was tied for seventh in the SEC. Um, in the draft combine, he's had multiple exit velocities over 115 miles an hour. And, you know, the Mets kind of did something similar with Pete Alonso. They drafted him in the, was he the second round pick? Or I the think he was the second. Pick? Okay, so they, I mean, he they drafted him the second round. They identified that he has a shit ton of power, make some swing adjustments, and here we are. Similarly, you know, Alderman is a guy that has that shit ton of power. Um can work on improving swing decisions and, and chasing fewer pitches similar to kind of Ronnie Mauricio um, mm-hmm. kind of has that similar floor. Will he be able to fix that? I don't know, but yeah, power is a tool that you really can't teach raw power. You know, you really can't teach it. He has it in spades and why draft, you know, a, Guy in the first round in that kind of vein. What was his name? We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago from Wake Forest. Uh, Brock Wilkin. Yes. Like you, draft, take, you can take, yeah. Right. Why well, draft that guy in the first round? And you can basically get the discount version of him in the second round. And yeah. kind of hope for the best. And, and power is one of those carrying tools that if you could even figure out a little bit of hit tool to it and just refine it a little bit, then the power is going to go a long way. Because mm-hmm. it'll paper over a lot of other issues if the guy could hit home runs. And that's really just baseball now. Like, look at the Braves, you know? Yeah. The Braves are the the, car, the, the, the the prototype for this, and all they do is win because they maximize their ability to hit home runs. And a home run is better than a single, you know, any way you slice it. So I don't mind taking guys like that, taking swings on big exit below strong guys and seeing if you could get them to hone in the rest of their game. Because if you can hone it in even a little bit, then you're really cooking. And if you could hone it in a lot, look where Pete Alonso is. That's obviously the, 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 a hugely, uh, I don't want to say unlikely. Unlikely seems unfair, but that's like the perfect outcome. Yes, that is being very optimistic. <laughs> yes, like I'm not saying he's the next Pete Alonso, but it's more like... It's even more if like, he's the next Luke Voigt, that's still... Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Because uh-huh. Luke Voigt was a great addition for the Yankees for a few years before it kind of went away. And the Mets could very much use some guys like that, that they could just call up and could do a job hitting home runs for a while. And if it only lasts three years, that it is what it is. Yeah. And my favorite thing is he caught like four games this year. So emergency catcher vibes. Exactly. Give him, give him, give him a mid, give him the catching gear. And Give him a helmet, and he's the new catcher. Teams should do that more. 
with guys who have like some type of like obviously not everyone can do it, but just convert a guy to catcher. Go full J Jabs, bro. <laughs> I miss J Jabs. Who is I would I I guess the emergency emergency catcher would be Luis Guillorme. Yeah, for sure. Not a good situation to be in though when you have to call call in your emergency emergency catcher. Oh yeah. All right, so this is our last show before the actual draft happens. Um, what? How are you feeling? You know what? You went with Rockalowski with your uh, draft follow. Do you still want the Mets to go with draft with with Rockalowski or? Have I'd be totally swayed? fine with that. It's. I was thinking about this before. We like right before we um started, I was mulling my answer to this because it's just a weird, it's so hard to know now. Like when we sit here now, it's really hard to, and I know this sounds like a, a total cop out, but when you're watching the NFL draft, right? If you're picking 30, you, you know who's going to be there and, and you know what your team needs are, but. In baseball, like weird shit happens, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and it's so. You'll read four mocks, and it'll be four wildly different names going to the Mets. Like I saw a mock. Oh, I forgot his name now. The um, the the, the lefty starter out of Kent State. I saw a mock where it's um Noth, like we were just talking about, like a high school pitcher out of Long Island. You know, like I've seen. Mocks where it's Wilkin. I I saw the, the the Morales mocks before he got too much helium, and it seems like he's not going to drop. But like last year, we could kind of comfortably be like, yeah, they think Jets going to be there and they're going to get him. You know, like that felt like a thing that was happening the entire time, and the Parada stuff was kind of a nice bonus. But it's hard. I I, I feel okay because. I liked their drafts a little more recently than I have in the past, but also the system's really bad and whoever they add in is going to be, they're going to slot in as like a top five guy anyway, unless it's a real disaster, you know, (laughs) unless they, unless they go completely out of left field. But I don't know. It's, it's hard because the baseball drafts unpredictable outside of the top 10 yeah, at all. Exactly. Let alone when you're in the 30s. <laughs> you know, made it kind of difficult. I mean, just the exercise that we did last week. We used Baseball America's rankings, MLB.com's rankings, Prospect Live rankings. You could have one outlet that's saying a guy is going to be selected at 40. You could have another outlet that's saying a guy is going to be selected at you know 49 and then the third one is saying he's going to be selected at 119 and and even to your point using those multiple both of the guys who i picked the 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 two mocked in the first round guys one to the yankees one to the mets are like the 40th and 40 something overall for all three of the part all three of those sites mm-hmm. but they would be they would be going to the mets because or the yankees in these circumstances because they're trying to cut money Exactly. Like I don't know, I don't know if the Mets are trying to cut money. I have no clue if they're trying to cut money right now. I don't even think they know. 
yeah, evaluating talent, you know, all these outlets, evaluating talent and just kind of making a numerical list is subjective enough. And then on top of that, you have like exactly what you're saying. You have now the the motivations of all the different teams and, you know, things that they're looking for that we're not necessarily privy to that haven't leaked strategies they will they want to employ that we don't know about so it is really a complete crapshoot it is and the only thing i would say the thing i feel best about right now is the as we've said for the 700th year in a row on this podcast the mets need an influx of talent in the minors and they have a lot of picks (laughs) you know what i mean like the the mets need they need more talent and they have four top 100 picks i think it is or mm-hmm. three, and then one is like 101 or something. So it's yeah, basically. three, and then 101. Yeah, so it's okay. So so they have four top 101 picks. I'm a, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Like that's a great thing. They need that. They need that for trades in the off season, or they need that for prospects to beef up the minor leagues now, and and for the future. And that's where I feel the best is that they they've done a good job of as best they could. I mean, really, last year didn't really matter. There was no qualified guys I was really pining for to lose your first-round pick over. But they've done a good job of, like, allowing themselves to get shots at building up the farm. I don't know if it's going to work, but they've done a good job at giving themselves chances so far. That's where I feel best. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they had a clear strategy in the offseason that, you know, they weren't going to lose these picks they optimize i mean regardless of how they're performing this year scherzer was a great signing verlander was a great signing uh yeah they they did all the things they needed to do without sacrificing really any of their future right like sure they're gonna drop down um in the luxury tax unless they pick unless they just continue to free fall and they pick (laughs) which is which, Which is honestly not uh, an uh, thing. Like if that happens, I'd be a little upset because the season was sucked. But also, by the time 2024 rolls around and they have a whole new slew of signings trying to compete, I would be like, oh, and they get a top 10 pick or whatever it is, whatever the protected lottery number is. But um, six. So yes, yeah, six. So if they finish with a one of the, if they get in that top six and also still spend a lot of money, then who really cares? But in all seriousness, like they're 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 tr- they're walking a tightrope on trying to compete and also trying to build the farm at the same time, and I really appreciate them doing that because you we it, it could be real A's hours over here and they could suck. Yeah, that is also that is something that historically did not really happen. When you have your teams that are just perennial losers that are always beefing up the farm system, the Marlins, your your Nats in the 2000s, your A's in the 2010s. You know, they would be really, really bad and 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 not competitive at all at the major league level. At least the Mets, on paper, were competitive this year, and last year they were competitive in actuality. So, and Steve Cohen has too much money, frankly, for them to ever be like never trying, not trying, like because they they can and will for basically any player spend more money than whoever they are up against the negotiations whoever they want is that's not how they want to run a team in the long term and of course 
They won't do that when eventually they figure out player development. But that doesn't mean they're not going to still sign really good players. It just means they won't sign the Starling Martes and the Marcanas of the world. Like, those guys are the guys they don't sign, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they're going to see the superstars of tomorrow become free agents and be like, nah, we have some outfielder that is fine. It's more like we could let we could we don't have to sign Starling Marte to this medium sized contract that now looks bad because he looks washed because we have plenty of prospects who could do something similar. We could spend our money on I don't know who's a a young guy who might be a star uh, uh, an Ellie De La Cruz if he hits free agency because you know what I mean like mm-hmm. that's really what it is. So they're treading a line and it's tough and they need to figure out player development before they really do anything else with the minors. Yeah, that is at the end of the day, that's the key because once that starts going, then you start churning out more guys. Like you say, then you don't need to sign the marginal free agents and you can concentrate on the, the big names. And, and I mean, look at the Dodgers. They pick late every year. They, I have a top system every year. Just because the Mets are picking 30 doesn't mean they're not going to get a quality guy. It depends what happens after, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that has been the major problem, is that the Mets either intentionally, you know, tanking those later rounds so they could afford the top couple, or just bad picks in general has kind of really put a... It's really bottlenecked the system. Yep. Well, hopefully that is not the case this year. All right, well, next time we uh next time we broadcast it's going to be draft night. Those are always fun. Yes. Staying up late, podcasting, it's living the dream, baby. <laughs> All right, so if anyone has any questions, Comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there if Twitter still exists and if you still are allowed to look at your tweets. If you don't go over your limit, um, you should definitely dedicate all of your limited page views, though, to our tweet feeds. All 600 tweets that you can see. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tomorrow, I'm just going to tweet 600 times just to <laughs> fill everyone's cues. Um, I'm at Steve Saipa there. Lucas is at ElVlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMedSeason, SZN. Obviously, if you are not, please subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And thank you for listening and a reminder we are now patreon based so if you do like our podcast or any of the other ones that are in the homer and apple network you can subscribe for five dollars a month and you'll get some extra stuff like bonus content and special episodes and we are going to be making a better uh effort at delivering all that stuff to you guys out there so we will be back next week on draft night until then Love the Mets. Love the Mets.